Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's actually the number one method of influencing the autonomic nervous system. With the breath, we can consciously control things that we thought we had in control over. And all of this is not new stuff. This has been around for thousands of years. And SOMA is the divine bliss we can cultivate from within using tantric yoga. When you do these practices, the chemical transformation is oxytocin. Oxytocin has been shown in many studies to be the ultimate hormone for brain change on command, like neuroplasticity. I'm going to try and recreate Vedic soma rituals in a way that is accessible as an antidote to all the external somas being pushed to distract us from the real truth that we can be happy from within. And the net result of everything we do is we make people naturally high, happy and healthy. Right now we need to be more responsible about our own lives. This is so important. Now it's time to reclaim that power. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired keep evolving Alrighty, guys welcome to this conversation with none other than niraj mayak the founder of soma breathwork recognized on platforms all over the world with wim hof mind valley rituals this is a profound conversation we go deep into vedic science the ages and really what is at the heart of life force energy throughout the ages 
is what Niraj calls soma and how breath work really activates soma and life force energy and how they're one and the same. And we dive deep into the conversation around pranayama, prana being your life force and breath work being a thing that helps you modulate it and yama basically meaning control so how to control your life force through breath work it's just a really profound robust conversation on spirituality and the role of breath work in and around all of that so that you can cultivate a deep sense of spiritual vitality welcome back to the inspired evolution and we have with us inspiring our evolution he's back niraj naik niraj how are you there brother Ma, I miss that intro. It's been a long time. My <laughs> favorite intro of every podcast. <laughs> I remember the first time we had the podcast, I was like, I'm surprised you stuck around after I, because I, 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 I watched our episode again. I went extra hard on the Yule. <laughs> I know you the almost fell off the chair. I almost fell off the chair. That was full power. <laughs> oh man for those tuning into niraj for the first time guys he's a certified pharmacist turned holistic health and breathwork expert in the background there his personal hobbies he's a professional musician serial entrepreneur and he is professionally one of the most world sought after spiritual ceremony facilitators in our first podcast we discussed deeply how he healed from chronic illness using holistic practices and soon from that he realized actually that this is pretty profound what's going on for him and he started to share his knowledge with others who may be struggling with poor mental health and well-being and man we were discussing this just before we came on and went live like five years ago breathwork was just entering into the like collective zeitgeist in some ways like Wim Hof was just emerging with his you know Wim Hof technique this is pre-COVID as well which is interesting um you know breathwork trying to get your take on on COVID and the breath and stuff like that but we'll get to that um but really just, yeah, just feeling into how much even yourself has evolved, how much the field of breath and breath work, even James Nestor's work with breath has really come to the fore, people starting to discuss the Wim Hof method, um, Buteyko as a, as, a, as a methodology, and really people starting to now scratch deeper and go, hey, like there's this whole thing called pranayama where a lot of this stuff is coming from. Um, yeah, you know, there's so many places we could start, but one of the things that I've always found really profound specifically about Soma is the music, the trance, and then kind of the breath work and the journey that you go on, like the whole thing, it seems like, you know, you were just put on this planet to to help <laughs> just kind of, you know, go us go into like these states of consciousness, which are, which are really profound. Um, I want to just start by sort of seeing how you feel the world of breathwork has been sort of evolving over the over recent times, just the last four or five years since we last chatted, and how yeah you're just finding it is it is it is it just me watching your journey that feels like it's becoming more and more widely adopted, or do you think it actually is? And if it is being so, why do you think it is that breathwork is actually becoming more and more mainstream? Well, we we got a um, a helping hand from the from the divine divine intervention, which was what happened just a few years ago, right? Uh, the whole COVID situation it woke people up to um, their lungs, right? Because what was it affecting the most was breathing, right? So people suddenly started to care about the breath, and you know there was lots of um, doctors actually talking about simple breathing techniques for COVID. And I think that woke people up a bit as well. Um, there was more awareness, awareness now about, you know, um, 
simple breathing techniques that you can use to improve lung function, right? And to uh, stop yourself from getting that crazy infl- inflammation that was happening. So for sure, we got, we got a helping hand by something divine. But the trend had already started, actually. It started um, because of, really, it was Wim Hof coming and just blowing the place apart <laughs> with his full power, crazy energy. And, and he just was on all of these podcasts and, you know, all these interviews. And I was very blessed that I got to connect with him and, and produce all the soundtracks of the Wim Hof Method. That one YouTube video, which I created all the music for, has had over 75 million views or something. It's insane. And they're legit views. They're not music industry views, which are like bots, which are like billions of fake, you know, like traffic. But this is legit real users of, of this method, right? So so that definitely had a helping hand. But then there were some other people, amazing. I want to give uh, props to this guy, Patrick McEwen. I haven't met him yet. I wish I would love to meet him at some point. But he, um, you know, pushed forward the Buteco method in a, in a cool mm-hmm. way, very scientific, translated it for the mainstream. Because the Buteco methods, he's at Russian origin. And, you know, if you... Don't fully understand what you're saying because it can be lost in translation. It can get a little bit lost in terms of the truth behind the techniques. And then there's also the, if you go to Wikipedia, it slams Buteco method. Like it discredits it as it does anything holistic, right? So don't trust any word on that. But yeah, so people like that came along, um, started to get notice, awareness. And uh, then Stanislav Grof made a comeback a little bit. He's like so old and he's still around. And so many people just started to um, come back in to the limelight um, who had been doing this stuff for years, you know, just underground. And I got, you know, a an amazing break through um, the Mind Valley recently in the last few years. But even my journey had been on a kind of a, hockey stick slope trajectory because um the power of the breathing is undeniable right and i met an amazing indian guy all right doctor yogi and i want to give him the maximum props because he totally turned me on to the science of our culture yoga tantra pranayama ayurveda Michael Prakash Marsh, he's an amazing doctor yogi in Haridwar in the Himalayas. He has a medical center where he treats patients through these natural practices, but also uses allopathic medicine like a balance. Perfect integrative uh, medicine. And, um, and he's a genius. He wrote a book called Medical Understanding of Yoga, which translated the, the sutras in such a compelling way that finally everything that the masses and aunties would be doing, you know, their yoga practices made sense. All the rituals, you know, a lot of the, the Vedic rituals all started to make sense why we do it scientifically. So um, so I was like very, very fortunate that I got to train with him directly. And then he came with me and we created the summer breath curriculum, which I believe now, because I've also studied Buteko at deep length. You know, Natasha is Russian. Actually, was just in Novosibirsk, you know, just a little while ago. So I was really learning it from direct from source. 
And then um, Wim Hof, spent a lot of time with him, who's an embodiment of the powers of simple <laughs> techniques, yeah. you know, very simple stuff that he does, nothing too complicated, anyone can learn it, right? But he's got the full power, you can see it. And then just through that experience and the fact that I'm a pharmacist, putting all that together, all those ingredients, that melting pot of experience and my passion for music, because um, for me, the whole reason I got into this is healing myself. And I found that just pranayama techniques without the music are not as cool as when you put the beats behind it. So I create this breathing beats thing, which took off because certain breathing techniques, when you put into a sequence with cool rhythm and music, it can take you into very profound altered states where you feel like you're channeling the divine. I, be I believe I recreated the actual soma ritual that they were probably doing thousand years ago in the golden vedic age you know so um so this when i put on youtube started to get a lot of amazing positive feedback and then i started to do it through um uh, zoom like the early days of zoom i started to do sessions on there every sunday and it just got more and more popular and then um uh, i started doing them at all the mind valley events just offshoot of the um you know the main event i wasn't actually a speaker or anything or even a facilitator i was just doing it for fun and i they started to get more popular than the main speakers events so that caught the attention of you know obviously the the vision and, and the team and they gave me an amazing opportunity that we made a quest together and, you know now i'm actually i don't know if you know this they're going to do another event very soon i don't want to reveal too much because it may be a bit secret. Um, but they're doing another amazing event, uh, as they always do, the best events. Um, but it's uh, I'm going to be the headline DJ and also one of the facilitators. So uh, like the last Mind Valley event, I actually manifested my dream because whenever I went to Mind Valley parties, I loved them. But I was like, I can rock that stage. <laughs> if put me on there, it will be next level, right? And you know, I can get people really going for it. And so the last event, I actually ended up playing the headline of the main pie, the first, the first, no, second week main pie. It was absolutely off the charts. Wampa, one of the other authors, came on and did this insane drum, uh, you know, over, over my tribal house stuff. And the place just went, off like it was like nothing i've seen before at my value event so then obviously vision's like right now you're playing everything every single fight i, I had, we had you know how it, you got a baby right so so a baby already was not sleeping so i wasn't sleeping and i was playing every single night every single vision private party and official party so I had zero sleep the whole three weeks. I was running on pure adrenaline and oxytocin from the baby and all these positive hormones. And then, boom, straight after that, I had to do a retreat in Austria um, with uh, 30 people. Took them for a full transformation. But whilst being the sickest, illest I've ever been, crazy, like, bad, I was just not well. I was in, I had like crazy bad flu, and managed to do this whole event uh, with them, and then I then I just slept in Mexico.
Then I went fly, flew out to Mexico to do a whole thing at Nomada Hotel in Tulum. I was a resident where we did more sessions. And then me and Emily Fletcher partnered up. I don't know if you know Emily Fletcher. On my birthday, she's amazing. And we ended up um, doing a full-on tantric um, self-pleasure, manifesting, orgasmic ritual together on my birthday with like 40 amazing people who flew in from all over the world. And then that that's where I was like thinking, shit, I'm like um, I'm a DJ, but not really a DJ. I'm a BJ. I'm a breath jockey. Instead of a because <laughs> 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 like I'm just like now doing what DJs do. Like I live in Ibiza now, so some of my friends are like superstar next level DJs. Like Satori and me collaborated, produced a whole journey together, which is amazing. It's coming out on our app soon. Satori's amazing. If you haven't heard of him, next level producer. So, but then just being here, I've now managed to, like, for my own music, get noticed by um, some amazing managers. I've got a really cool management team. So, again, I've got some signings to some big labels. So, we're going to make Sermon Breath music super cool, uh, get it recognized. And then I'm going to probably do some breath rave tours, taking what I do on tour. And train, and we train instructors, right? So, we've got over 2,500 instructors now. So we actually have, if you think about it, we have over 2,000 instructors out there with all my music and soundtracks out there running their own breath ceremonies and breath raves. And it's just incredible to think that when we last spoke, which wasn't that long ago, five years, I had zero instructors. I didn't even have a brand yet. We didn't even have a ceremony. I wasn't even on Mind Valley. So the accelerate you know the question you ask like what's happening in terms of trend it's it's unstoppable man because everyone breathes everyone's got a pair of lungs right we all we all breathe it's something that affects all of us and it's actually the number one method of influencing the autonomic nervous system consciously which we've been told we don't have conscious control over but the breath we can consciously control things that we thought we had no control over. And all of this is not new stuff. This has been around for a thousand years. And I'm so blessed, thank you so much, that being Indian is actually cool, right? And we actually have a wealth of knowledge accessible to us. And it's amazing. Right? I'm so grateful for it. So I've been really going super deep into Tantra, into all of the Yoga Sutras, the Vedic texts, the Nada Yoga, which is the entire uh, literature on music and sound, mantra. And I've just been translating it in a way that really, really communicates to our generation, which means cool beats, fun techniques that are non, you know, too complicated, easy, but you know exciting to do that makes people really look forward to doing it and they want to tell their mates about it yeah so that's what's going on and i my my thing is really we have to start young we need the kids doing this stuff right because we don't get given a manual when we're born we we we, we maybe have we have like a natural innate uh way of breathing which is probably healthy but over years 
of development and conditioning and stress, we pick up bad breathing habits. And it's those bad breathing habits because of unconscious breathing, because the reptilian brain that's on high alert and stressed out takes control and starts to breathe for us as though we're going into battle every day, which a lot for a lot of us unconsciously, we feel like we're at, having a fight every single day against reality. For a lot of people's existence is a constant battle against reality, right? So with the breath, you can kind of put the brakes down, stop the nervous system from over, you know, stressing yourself, and you can actually breathe better and more in a calm way and start to make better quality decisions. Because actually, I think a lot of the problems in the world come from irrational decision-making, right? Under stress. When you're stressed out, neocortex is cut off, prefrontal lobes, you know, cortex is cut off, cut off, and you lose rational thoughts, right? When you're stressed, your reptilian takes control. So reptilians are really controlling the world, it's true, right? right? Because everyone's pissed off and stressed out and angry, and so they're making irrational decisions, right, through their reptile. So, and that's, and people in that state are also easiest to manipulate and condition as well and take advantage of. So, well, my whole job and why I think we're doing so well is because I'm giving people the off switch for stress, how to calm down naturally at any moment. You don't have to use our music tracks. I teach you tools without music as well, that in the moment you can switch off, stop getting triggered, and then start to think with better quality thoughts that give better quality decisions give you better quality actions and results and the net result of everything we do is we make people naturally high happy and healthy because high happy healthy people go and do good things to the world and be nice to others it's the miserable people go and do miserable make other people miserable so that's my big mission and it seems to be working it's, it definitely seems to be working. I love, there's a couple of things in there that I definitely want, well, there's, I've got a whole list here that I made of things that I want to dive into. But let's start with the um, the starting young piece because I think it's actually quite profound what you're sharing. Like I'm knowing what I know and having followed your work for a while, like I'm definitely that parent, let's just say, like I'm, I'm you know, in the middle of the night watching my, my, I've got two sons now and I'm watching their breathing patterns and I'm like, you better not be breathing out of your mouth. Like, you know, and I've got my finger in front of their mouth trying to feel like it. their breath is so like, their lungs are tiny, you can barely feel it. And I was like, I reckon he's breathing through his nose. It's all good. It's all good. You know? and it's like, knowing what you know now, it's like, yeah, definitely need to be breathing through your nose. And we can, un- like, I'm definitely going to ask you questions as to why nose breathing is so much more important than nitrous oxide. And we'll get into that just shortly. Nitrous oxide. Yeah, and the the bit in there that I was um, nitrous oh, oxide. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> my bad. Um, one of the things that I wanted to <laughs> just point also to. Well, you did say hi, um, but one of the things I wanted yeah. to point to was <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> was um yeah, just uh, in even in like um, when you go to Buddhist monasteries, the the first lesson that they're teaching um, children is is breathing. And you have a chat to the kids and it's like, I remember just having like random chats. It's like, like, where's this, like, what what lesson was it? And it's like, oh, breathing. And it's like, oh, is this, you know, what lesson number is this? Oh, this is the first important lesson we learn um, is breathing. It's like the very first lesson. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. And then the response was like, it's not that interesting. It's the first thing we do. 
when we come into the world and it's the last thing we do when we leave. Of course it's going to be the first lesson. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> that is more than profound, right? Um, and just how well, important the breath is. Yeah, so yeah. please take it from well, Vipassana, Vipassana, which is the kind of the staple method, right, is, in my opinion, if the real mechanism why it works so well, so profoundly, is for a lot of people the first time they are slow nasal breathing, right? And if you just sit somebody down, and make them slow nasal breathe, which means just become aware of the breath, right? Slowly breathe in and out through your nose. That recalibrates the breath in itself, right? So 10 days of that is going to make a difference physiologically. Because in yoga, in tantric yoga, which is what this is from, the, it's foolish to control the mind through the mind alone. It's much better and easier, smarter, and wiser to control the mind through the body, the soma, right? So the breath is the bridge between the body and the mind. So the breath is the first thing you'd use to control the body, to control the mind. And that will calm the mind down. And what causes tension in the physiology, right? That tension, rigidness, the stiffness, the kind of paralysis from taking action, the tension, intention, inattention, right? Intention without action causes more tension, right? Causes, makes people rigid. So if you have an intention and you just don't act on it, you get, you get tense, right? It's intention. You stay intent. You stay tense. So you need to take action. That's, that's a going off on tangent. But ultimately, right, with Vipassana, what's also happening is you're quieting the mind because you're taking the awareness away from the voice in the head that's worrying about the future and the past, and it's getting hung up on old habitual thoughts and patterns going around in a loop and that noise in the head that voice that's constantly like speaking and for some people it's so loud that voice it's like a really strong voice it causes so much sympathetic reaction and tension that it causes blood pressure problems rigidness and if you contract your muscle like this because you're tense you diminish blood flow to your joints so or your muscles and organs. So tension causes diminished blood flow. And when they sit down in Vipassana for 10 days straight, just being aware of the breath, right, all that stops. And you get blood flow going back to areas of the body that haven't had blood flow before, back to the brain. And this, this rhythm, slow rhythm of breathing gets all the oxygen back into the organs, tissues, joints that may have not had optimal oxygen. So obviously it's going to physiologically heal the body. Imagine the body is like the hardware of a super biocomputer, right? What happens if you've got a PC filled with viruses? It doesn't work. But if you get a Mac, right, <laughs> it tends to work better, right? So the patterns are going from, in 10 days, PC to Mac. Well, then you do a few more things. It prepares you to go from PC to Mac, clears out the viruses, calms you down, starts to upgrade the hardware because you get blood flow back. It's an amazing practice, actually. I did the same, very similar thing, but seven days, seven nights in the dark. <laughs> Completely dark, darkness retreat. And how was that? And that was in Delhi. And that, was, that was the most profound thing I've ever done in my life, actually. One of the most transformative. That was more powerful than ayahuasca. 
I did that as well, like years ago, 2020, before it was cool. Um, but now, uh, like the darkness retreat is something very profound, highly, highly transformative. It's not for everybody. It's not for the faint hearted, but it is like doing Vipassana. Imagine that with no senses or no, no sight, nothing. Can't see anything, no light for 10 days, mm-hmm. or seven days, seven nights of it. The sensory deprivation sounds quite intense. <laughs> hey, you're Inspired Tribe. I want to take a quick sec. I wanted to share something today with you that is really dear to my heart. And it's actually what keeps the entire ecosystem around the Inspired Evolution thriving, my one-on-one coaching. So it's basically coaching that helps you live a spiritually aligned life. I coach people from all different types of walks of life that these people are leaders and they're looking to have an incredible spiritual impact in the lives that they're leading for themselves and then also lead in alignment to their values. Now you don't have to take my word for it. Here's a few people that have also transformed through my coaching and here's what they have to say. Amrit is a fantastic coach. In a few sessions, he got to a depth that I'd only experienced before working with certain medicines. And He's gone through a lot of the struggles that you're probably facing. Then my corporate banking job wasn't really doing it. You feel like you're not making progress towards your goals. And Amrit's been a really strong, supportive figure in my journey. I'm more in control of myself. I'm kinder to myself. I actually have that vision and a purpose. I do feel like I'm a better version of myself already. Amazing energy. He was easy to talk to, which made me easy to trust him. Working with Emirate at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and really I was bouncing out of bed. Whenever I get off the calls with Emirate, best money we've ever spent. <laughs> I would not recommend him because I don't want everyone to know about him and then I won't be able to book him. If he gets too busy, I won't get my turn. I would say absolutely. There's no way you can work with Amrit for a period of time without being transformed. So if you're considering him as a coach, do not hesitate because you won't be disappointed. As you guys can see, there's a lot of people all over the world from all these different corners experiencing incredible transformations. I don't think, if I can say humbly myself, that there is anything quite like this somewhere else online. Most people that you know have channels that you know grow and grow and grow don't really focus on one-to-one offerings. I have just found that it is the most profound space where you can bring yourself in a private container and really just share what's going on for yourself. And if you want to book in for that call with me, touch base, it's www amrit.coach forward slash life that's www.amrit.coach forward slash l-i-f-e there is a link in the show notes below to book in that call and yeah if you want to take your journey further if you want to dive in deeper and you really want to live a spiritually aligned life if it's for you please do check it out and without too much further ado once again for your spirit for yourself today's podcast it's um it's very strange it's it's intense, but it's after a few days you get actually quite into it. So, so what happens is you your whole life unravels in seven days. Your whole it's like a slow drip ayahuasca experience or bufo or something like that. A slow drip by about day three four is when the melatonin builds up to a level where you start to lose a dream. You don't know what's real and what's a dream. And you don't know what's night or day. It's very, very strange concept. And then, then what happens is you, your brain thinks it's dead, and you start to die inside, the ego death. And your life starts to unfold, unravel. And uh, all the scenes, like from your life, the highlights of where you've not resolved 
situations start to unravel themselves. And then you karmically clear each one in the dark. So I'll tell you what actually happened. Like right before I was going to go in, I had a relapse of the osteoclitis. Oh, no. So, I remember that from yeah. the first episode. That was the birthplace of the renegade pharmacist and everything. Yes. Yeah, wow. And I came back like hours before. And what I realized this was, well, I didn't realize this straight away, but the teacher, my very dear friend, Shashi Saloon, she said, she said um, I said to her, I don't think I can go in now. Like, I'm shitting blood again. She, she just turned around and stared and looked at me in the eye and said, this is a ghost apparition of this disease for you to karmically clear it once and fall in the dark. And then I looked at her and I was like, okay, I'm in. So I went in. The first two days, I'm like profusely shitting blood. And you can't find your way to the toilet, right? It's so difficult. You mainly use ropes to get around and padded surface on the floor. And if you go off slightly, you're lost. But the thing is, when you're shitting yourself, right, literally, you're in panic mode. So your neocortical, your thinking brain is shut off. So you just lose track of everything. You go into panic. Now, they say the souls connect in the dark, right? They meet you. The right soul will connect. So it's a group thing. Okay, So there's this one lady who is happens to be a functional medical uh, specialist, one of the top ones in Arizona. And especially his gut health. So bizarre. And she kept finding me in the dark and taking me to the toilet. Can you believe that? We're, we're like brother and sister now. We're like super close. So strange, right? So uh, Judy, Dr. Judy. Even so, that she uh, was there at the retreat that you were on. It's it like, yeah, just buzzing. <laughs> so yeah. Please continue. Yeah. And then after a few days, like you're... Like, I thought I was going to maybe even die in there. It was that intense, the, the comeback. But then three days into it, like, I started to have the, the, the transformation started to happen, like, when the life starts unraveling. And she's doing these very powerful, like, tantric breath uh, practices to lead us through this journey. And then the last couple of days is called, it's like the death day. This is when things started to get really crazy. So now you're like full-blown hallucinating, right? Like you don't know what's dream world and what's real world. And I remember this one dream so profoundly, it is it will blow your mind. So what happened was um, I suddenly went into this vision where I'm climbing up this mountain, right? And I'm totally knackered. I'm so tired. I'm like gonna die like with exhaustion it's so intense and i'm climbing up climbing up and then i hear this really loud dutch voice go we've gone too far i'm like oh and i knew then it was wim hof saying we've gone too far like and wim hof doesn't say we've gone too far ever if he says we've gone too far it's over that's it <laughs> it's done there's no way back so he so i felt his fear in his voice and then the most insane fear just came over me like a wash of fear adrenaline where i was just like completely and utterly like i was like sweating in, in, inside pure the fear tree. adrenaline pure fear and shaking right and then 
I slip and I start to fall back. And I'm like, now it's so real. Like I'm falling back and I fall back on the snow like this and hit my back. And I, and I'm, this hand comes out to grab me and it missed, I missed his hand. So I fall back, but I haven't fallen that far. And then I look up and it's Wim and he starts laughing his head off going, we made it to the top. Yeah. And we're now at the top of Everest and I'm freezing my butt off. Right? And we're like, yes. And then, then I start laughing and he starts laughing in this lucid dream. And I start laughing, fellow better laughing but because i've got still got symptoms of colitis the laughter makes me profusely fart really bad so it sets off the guy next to me big time and he starts hysterically laughing then it's an, uh, it sets off a chain reaction of hysterical laughter in the whole retreat and for about an hour solid everyone's in complete utter stitches like cracking up and this was the ultimate reprinting of fear that I've ever had. Because what I realized happened, well, why I got the, the, the disease come back was because what happens right to us through our life is certain events happen to us that create memories that are like imprints, that are programs that tells us how to behave in the future, to protect us, to stop us from getting into unsafe situations again. So what I what the darkness retreat signifies is going back to the womb, right? Mm. So I was going to say, it seems like an embryonic experience to the nth degree embryonic. because I remember even exactly. just like going for an hour in those little flotation tanks yeah. feels embryonic. You're there for seven days, seven nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's embryonic, right? It could, people do it much longer. So, so I um, <clears throat> feel that what happened was I went – back to a moment that my body was familiar with that was when my I was in my mum's room and I know that my mum because she had a very bad relationship with my dad and my dad's parents and stuff she was in a lot of fear when she had me right a lot of unconscious fear and this obviously imprinted and I always had a crazy fear of the dark and even bedwetting was probably until quite old like nine ten years old intense fear of the dark i could not sleep on my own i was so scared of the dark right so going into the dark industry is like a major trigger for i think that all the fear and trauma that i had as a young child because it was very abusive that what happened and it wasn't a, it was there was a lot of udin moments i'll tell you about udin moments that happened to me in that moment and so an udin moment is a checklist you can use to identify a trauma situation, right? So UDIN stands for U stands for unexpected, right? So we just went through an UDIN moment collectively as a as a species just a few years ago, right? With COVID, unexpected event. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's dramatic, right? These sounds are dramatic. So, you know, like think of all the news stories that we're getting bombarded with every day. It was extremely dramatic, right? Unexpected dramatic. I stands for isolating. So it's only you. You feel alone. It's like only happening to you. So what happened with COVID? People locked on their own, locked down. You know, a lot of people felt like oh, when they got sick, it was just them on their own, social distancing, all of that, right? And no strategy, N. Like, you know, two weeks to find the curve turned to two years. Couldn't trust any politician, any official. It was super militant the way the whole thing went down. So nobody knew who to trust anymore. You know, if you didn't believe in the narrative, you're a conspiracy theorist and there's so much polarity going on. So, um, so yeah, we all collectively as a whole race went through an Udin moment, right? And these are dramatic memories that create imprints in our somatic computers or hardwares that will create patterns of behavior that may not be desirable later on in life to the point it could be disease. Right. So, you know, so early childhood Udin moments, the first seven years, have a serious impact on um, uh, later life. They're the, they're the logic board programs that are installed in our hardware that never shift. They hardly leave us unless you do very advanced tantric breathwork techniques like what we do. So, um, so going back into the darkness it kind of reminded me of that previous unconsciously, my somatic intelligence, of uh, the, the, the womb situation, right? And my fear of the dark and all of that, and the layers of imprint since then. And it made me shit myself, literally. So then I went in the dark, and fear is what autoimmune is mostly fear manifests as disease. A lot of people's autoimmune conditions is fear manifests as disease, unresolved fear. Fear is one of the main emotions that will be triggered by Udin moment, like uncontrolled fear, unresolved fear that has really made a karmic imprint in us. So I then re-imprinted a new uh, perception of the whole, all my whole life, actually, the whole life unraveled. I karmically cleared all these situations. And then with that intense laughter and crazy hallucinations with Wim Hof, it was like reformatted my whole concept of fear. Because I was going to ask there just for a sec, like, is that something that you consciously did or was it something that innately happened? Innately happened. But the process that she led us through got us to that point as well. Because every single Tibetan tantric breathing technique and yogic practice and all the mantras we were singing all gets you to this very psychedelic point of unraveling of your life you know where your melatonin is produced such a high rate everything starts to unfold and yeah and then when i got out of the retreat i was back to normal to the astonishment of everybody 
Well, and, and I haven't so had touch wood symptoms since. Man, that is so profound. You sharing that. Uh, thank you so much for going yeah. there with us. Like, yeah, even just the way you describe, like, yeah, even just the whole embryonic experience and watching just how it was a necessary part of your process to go back and resolve and heal and understand where things yeah. came from and the amount of trust and surrender that takes, bro. Like, I can't even. Yeah. The soma breath is now a thing because of that. So all of that, all of the lessons I learned from that is what ended up becoming, a, you know, part of the framework of our techniques and courses. I can imagine. So, so a lot of I things manifest. I do want to talk about, and it's going to be a bit of a, you know, understanding soma somatic, and we'll get there. Um, and also pranayama and the different things that are available in the world. But we've touched on this a little bit, and I love what you described. Well, I don't love Udin moments, but <laughs> I love what you've described about the word Udin because I think it gives us a real um, – it's it's diagnostic. It's actually really useful to have that, I think. Um, so I love that aspect of it, I guess, um, just having a diagnostic tool. I'll give my props to, to Dan Lustig for teaching me that. He's one of the top autoimmune uh, therapists, like helping to resolve that. And he's from Israel. So he, he gave me that checklist. But I've now applied that to uh, the more therapeutic side of Sonic Breath, where we help resolve these situations. But it gave me a lot of clarity as well. Yeah, because what I was going to ask, well, I was going to just share this with you because normally I wouldn't have a riff on this, but because it's you and I just leveraging the friendship. <laughs> um, it's like, what do you like? Because I've been. Well, it's an interesting space to be in because I don't know if you've, well, you probably are aware, the birth of the age of the Aquarius is what they've recently said happened just before we went into COVID. Aquarius is an air sign. Um, and then we're hit with this collective thing, which is like COVID. And I'm kind of using the opportunity in the conversation where you've described how, like you're all sort of colitis and like the challenge of like having to heal that before you go into the next wave of your collective evolution and how that birth soma and everything you know as collectively we've moved from you know one age to another um you know having this respiratory thing rear its head you know and then for us to like is it potentially and was it potentially an opportunity for us to to heal shift evolve like through the whole thing like is that what is your awareness around the transition through COVID, air, breath, and yeah, the age of Aquarius that we moved into around the same time? Well, the the system of ages that I draw from is the very different because we go back to Kaliyug and yeah, 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 and so we yes. don't, yeah agreed. <laughs> so I'm more aligned with that, and there's an amazing article right on um, uh, Graham Hancock's uh, website, right. Um, on his blog, and it's by Bibu Dev Misra. So give my props to him. And it's called The End of the Kali Yuga in 2025, Unraveling the Mysteries of the Yuga Cycle. I think he... Is it, is it really happening? Sorry, I have to jump in there because I do want you to explain yeah. it because I, everyone has a different date for when the end of Kali Yuga is happening. I think he's figured it out. I really think he's figured it out. And he's written it this in 2012, right? So long time ago, right? I think he's he's nailed it because I think there's a lot of things from all the research I've been doing. Something big's happening in 2025. I've that's come from different sources, and you can see what's going on in the world, right? There's a shift, major shift. But 
is the ages isn't the way we think it is. The way the ages work, think of the vibration. Think of law of vibration. What happens with waves? It's a wave, right? So, so is the universe. Okay, so it's like this. It's popular. It's the Yuga cycles match the growth of populations, right? So we start with Satya Yuga, which is the golden age, where very few people on the planet, everyone lives in harmony with nature, and we are like gods on earth. We live for very long periods of time. We're much bigger, stronger, you know, healthier and more resilient to everything, nature. We're wise, we're in tune. We're literally like gods on the planet, right? And then this is actually the time actually of soma as well when people are addicted to the substance called soma they're all reveling in ecstasy all the time then the soma starts running up believe it or not and that's when they all freak out and when they freak out right because their soma's running out because it gives them immortality it gives them bliss it gives them everything right uh they're like well we have to make the soma from within we have to figure that out so we're not so dependent on this external soma and that's the birthplace of tantric yoga Okay, but this is all happening as population starts to grow, and then we move into the next age, which is Treta Yuga, which is the Silver Age. Okay, and this is um, now where population is a bit bigger, and it becomes more organized into kingships and and more like kind of agriculture, and this is more like um, moving away now from spirits of nature, right? Then. We move into uh, Dvarapa Yuga, which is a Bronze Age. And here is even bigger population, much bigger. And think when there's larger groups of people to manage, chaos is more likely to happen, right? So the, the more um, populations grow, it's harder to control or harder to keep harmony. Right? Small groups of people are easy to to create a harmony and communism and socialism works with small, tiny groups of people, right? doesn't work so well when you try and spread out over big populations, as we've seen through history. So then, so we have Dwarapa Yuga, and then we have the next phase, which is Kali Yuga, where the population's really expanded, grown, and this is the, the, the dark, dark ages, right? But it then shifts back right? Population starts to creep back down again to Dwarapa Yuga, because it's a wave. So it goes then Dwarapa, and then it go, will go back to Treta, and then it'll go back to Satyu later on. So it's a wave, it's a circle, a circle of life. It's just keep going through the ages like that. Mm. Make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and it lines up with, yeah, being Sikh by faith, it's kind of what we also, yeah. But if you want to go there, I can go on a little bit more about this so um the problem with the age shifts is right that the age always tends to coincide with a great cataclysmic shift as well that shakes the planet usually some kind of divine active you know nature like a meteorite or some crazy uh, event, like maybe a nuclear bomb, who knows, that shakes up the planet. So there's always some cataclysmic event that coincides, 
according to these texts, with the turning of the ages. Yeah? So in 2025, we're going to be careful what's going to happen. I mean, look what's look what everyone's talking about happening right now. It's, it's almost like we're reliving the Mahabharat war, where, um, you know, Krishna tells Arjuna, that's it. The world's gone too crazy. Blow up, blow, press the button and blow it up. Do you know what I mean? Start again. Yeah. You mentioned I hope it doesn't go that way. Oh, I really hope it doesn't. The entire but but if it does, it doesn't matter. Inspired evolution is like <laughs> I know, but let's, let's not go. Let's not hope it goes that way. But it, here's the thing: the world always. I've come to terms with this in the dark. That uh, that life is like that, right? That, that there's a yin and yang. Somewhere in the middle, there'll be like a kind of a grayish color that hopefully the world will move into. I right, believe it's moment, though, but please yeah. continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like the blending of black and white, you know, something. Yeah. But, but um, whenever the world goes, or anything, your life goes to the dark. Life is a pendulum. It really is. It's not like a box of chocolates. It's like a pendulum, right? Where whenever it shifts to the dark, it will always shift in the equal opposite direction to the light. And vice versa. It's, life is a pendulum. We have to be okay with suffering. We have to come to terms with it's not always going to be rosy. Life is a is all about suffering, and from suffering actually comes some of the greatest insights and values and greatest works of art, literature, science, evolution. Inspired evolution, actually, to be honest, the most inspiring which comes from often the deepest suffering. If you think of the things that have shifted humanity the most, right? Quite often it came from a period of suffering or going in to try and solve a problem, right? And so we have to embrace the dark, right? We have to we have to understand it. We have to dance the dark because that's that's actually enlightenment. Is when you can come to terms with this is the state of existence, and when you take a step back from it and you see it as that, right? You don't get too caught up in the drama. Right? You don't get too, like, you don't take it so seriously, life so seriously anymore. Some people take life way too seriously and they get way caught up in the drama. And I used to do that actually years ago. I used to get way too caught up in the drama and get angry and frustrated and want to change the system and, uh, and corruption. And, uh. and then I realized actually that's not really fun and I'm getting sick. And, and Buddha says, like, you know, if you hold on to anger, fire, the only one getting burned is yourself. So, so I've really learned to let go a lot of that, the control. I have more compassion and about myself and the world and people and be more tolerant and see, you know, um, both sides of the stories and the yin and the yang and just realize that it's just a dance between light and dark. It's inevitably going to happen. Yeah, it's something that, um, yeah, you see... Well, old mate Joseph Campbell did a good job of putting the um the hero's journey together, and it's something I just see having interviewed through the Inspired Evolution two episodes a week go out, and individuals such as yourself doing amazing work for the world. You know, it's and you know just as you described it, you know the ulcerative colitis and the time spent in the dark, and then you know from there comes the birthplace of you know some. It's like consistently you see challenges. People's greatest gifts come from their greatest challenges, and it's like what 
the f- like why does it have to be that way <laughs> you know and it's just like um, but nonetheless you know like even myself meditation teacher came from six years of depression you know helping people live in alignment to their purpose and their spirituality came from like being completely misaligned for seven years and just literally like all the challenges that came from that you know so the awareness is um yeah it's it's helpful to have the awareness i guess to some degree that yeah even as you're going through your challenges that there is, you know, something greater being birthed through those challenges. And I think that's what you're speaking to around the ages as well. Man, I, I wanted to I wanted to sort of touch there because as you started discussing the ages, you also mentioned um, Soma and its evolution through the ages in some way. We started there. You didn't complete the cycle, but nonetheless, I think um, it gave us a taste and a gist for, yeah, just what you mean by Soma. But I think there's an opportunity for us to, and I hate, I, I don't hate, but like, I don't want to bog it down in semantics, but yeah, just what the word Soma means to you um, in and around everything and where you've drawn it from. And then also leveraging that back to nowadays, there's a lot of talk around somatic like work and how it's like in the body. And you mentioned this earlier in the conversation. It's like the best way to control the mind isn't actually through the mind. It's through the body and, you know, like Soma and then somatic and just, yeah, like if you can, I'll just leave you there. and you can take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, Soma has many meanings to me, right? So first time I heard about Soma was my Swami told me there was 50,000 references to um, the substance in the Rig Veda uh, that the Rishi used to take. She told me that legend, that story. Uh, and I put me fascinated. I was like, what? They're all getting high? Cool. And uh, yeah, so that got me curious about what is Soma. And then uh, years and years ago, Joe Rogan did a whole thing on Jesus was a mushroom, and then there was a whole load of uh, documentaries on the theory that the, the Jesus, because they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, <clears throat> was a mushroom cult. And that they would use mushrooms to get into the ecstatic states. And that actually most religions were just psychedelic uh, cults. And what they did was they put stories that were really metaphors of these cults in the Bible. And so it was mistranslated into thinking it was a real human being. but Or it was changed to make people believe that. So there was this whole thing because the original shamans from, from Russia... Siberia, where my wife's from, that's an interesting Soma story too, how I met Alasha. Uh, so what happened was, um, so Siberian shamans, they, it's, I went to Siberia just now, they make all these concoctions from this mushroom called Amanita Mascarina, right? And the Amanita Mascarina, if you look at it, it's and I saw in the wild it grows and it creates like a grail like shape right and there's the morning dew in the middle of it that collects and if you drink that morning dew you get pretty pretty high off it right according to the this I haven't tried it yet but according to the literature so it looks like a grail with the morning dew and actually in the some of the bible texts it talks about Jesus being the morning dew and then talks about the Holy Grail and, and drinking from my cup, drink from the cup of Christ and all this, right? So there's a few metaphors in there, which this one Christian um, uh, is the only, he was the only Christian scholar out of 15 scholars who went to translate the Dead Sea Scrolls. 
the rest of them were all Jewish. So the only one who had anything to lose was the only one who actually would speak up about what he found. The rest of them were like, no, no, we can't talk about this. And they were all Jews. They had nothing, they had nothing to lose, but this one did, because it's questioning the whole of Christianity. But he wrote this book, John um, Allegro. Something like that, his name is. Anyway, so he wrote this whole thing about uh, Jesus was a mushroom. Okay, the whole uh, whole book on it, whole text. And he's got a documentary on YouTube. You can watch interview with him. It's really fascinating. So I got turned on to it. I was like, "What? This is crazy!" Because I love psychedelics. I've done so many of them over the years. So I was like, "This makes so much sense." Because when I did ayahuasca, it felt like I was like Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, in the cave being visited by angel angel gabriel right it was so much like that like how it's written in the quran i was like okay well that makes sense maybe muhammad just had a visitation from a spirit they saw through ayahuasca and maybe the burning bush of moses was actually also a psychedelic concoction that made him see the entities you know that the spirit spiritual world so I was like, wow, this makes so much more sense than what we've been told. So I went down this crazy rabbit hole. And and then it drew me back to this book called um, Soma, the Divine uh, Mushroom, which is, uh, there's, a, there's a few books. There's one by Daniel Spess, which is called Soma. Uh, Daniel, uh, let me just get his name. Oh, David Spess, I think. My memory is bad. But anyway... It's an amazing book, uh, Soma, the Divine Hallucinogen by David Spess. Yeah. And there he really goes deep into the history of the Vedic Soma that he proposes is probably Amanita Mascarina, right? The mushroom. And he charts back that the birthplace of all Vedic uh, mysticism comes from the shamanic tribes that used to exist in the Golden Age. And they were all reveling in this mushrooms and then over time it got kind of turned into these metaphors and parables and stuff but it started off as mushroom uh cultivating shamans who would because uh, if you look at the christmas story right this is a really interesting one the christmas story so the siberian shamans they dress like they look like fire for christmas they have these red outfits they have these big gray beards they wear these hats and they look like father christmas and what do they have in so they have the reindeers, like Lapland, these Nordic countries, reindeers. And guess what? Where flying reindeers come from. Because the best way to um process the amanita is through when it's processed through the urine, because that takes away the toxicity and you get left with the pure hallucinogenic metabolites in the urine, right? So they would see you uh, reindeers who are flying literally because they look like they're flying because they're high off eating the mushrooms they wait for them to need to piss they'll take their piss and drink that and that's their brew yes this is no this is we're not even making this shit out this is truth so that's where now you can start to see the legends of santa claus and flying reindeer and then another one Christmas decorations, hanging up Christmas decorations. You know what the Siberian shamans do? They hang up the mushrooms to dry on the pine conifer trees, which you find all over. Like, I was there. I was in the forest full of Christmas trees, right? And they'll hang up the mushrooms to dry, the Amanita. They'll dry on the, they look like Christmas decorations. It's crazy. 
So I was like, okay, that's where Christmas stories come from. Because you go to look back to Christianity, right? It was different before the Catholics, Catholicism was created by the Roman Church. You created the Roman Catholic Church, where they had the Council of Nicaea, where they had a committee to decide how Christianity would be for the main for the masses. So imagine a group of people coming together and saying, this is how it's going to be. So we're going to tell the story like this. That's what they did. So we, what we know of Christianity today is not at all what it was before because the Council of Nicaea, so many stories have been changed. So it, it, you know, it got personified and I hope I'm not going to get shot by any fundamentalist Christians, but I'm sorry that the, the stories that there's more to it than we think. So I got in this crazy rabbit. I was learning so much about this and and I was like, you know what? I'm I love I love Soma. I love this word. And then I read this book, Brave New World, by um Aldous Huxley. And it's a dystopian story. And it talks about a time that's kind of eerily creeping up on us as we speak, where humans are kind of genetically reared into caste system and um and there's no love no property no one's allowed to own anything and it's basically a little bit like <laughs> what the wf has been broadcasting that we should do uh no property no love basically you know just uh no materialism no, no possession no ownership no, huh yeah no so connection yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like all you do is have sex. There's a, there's a movie on um, Amazon, I think it is, where you can see it. They made it during COVID, uh, funny enough, called Brave New World. If you want to see a great movie version of or a series of the book, if you want to read the book, watch that. It's quite accurate, actually. Yeah, I thought, but anyway, Gattaca, so, I thought Gattaca used to explore the themes. I'm not sure if you've seen Gattaca. But, Gattaca, yeah, I've heard of, yeah. Similar. Similar, yeah, similar themes. So, so anyway, so... So they're, they pacify the people to stop them from waking up, right? Out of getting, like, questioning what's going on, right? Because it's such a manufactured, like, Truman Show-like world. <clears throat> they give them a pill called Soma. <laughs> it's crazy. So they'll give them this pill, and they'll give them this vacation where they forget about their dreams. Uh, they'll forget about their life. They have this dream, and they'll forget about the the suffering on their on their existence and they'll stop questioning things right so so that's how they pacified the the world was through soma right so I was like you know what I'm gonna look into this so I started to look into the Vedic soma and I started to see like why did Alzheimer's talk about why did he call the AI computer that controls everyone because it's an AI computer that controls the society in this time. Why is it God Indra? Why is it called Indra? Indra is the God that's most addicted to Soma who tells everyone to go inwards, right? So to to make the Soma from within. So I was thinking, why is there so many Vedic symbolism in Aurasakti's book? This is so fascinating. So this all this led me to now really going deep into the the soma in tantric yoga, what it means. And soma is the symbol of the moon, right? And soma is the divine bliss that we can cultivate from within using tantric yoga. It's the, it's if you look at it now, it's the chemicals of transformation. It's serotonin, it's dopamine, it's endorphins, it's tryptamines, it's 
endogenous DMT. It's oxytocin, which are all the chemical transformation that we create when we get into high and ecstatic um, orgasmic states, full body bliss states you get into through tantric yoga and sex magic and things like that. So, and with breath work, we get into those states. Okay. So, so I was like, wow. So, because I got very deep into the tantra world. So I was like, you know what? I think. I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to try and recreate the Vedic Soma rituals that they used to get high off their own supply, but in a way that is accessible as an antidote to all the external Somas that are going on right now, that they're being pushed to distract us from what's going on, the truth, the real truth that we can be happy from within, right? Because the TV, media, Instagram, advertising, uh, you know, the news, all of the drugs, recreational drugs, prescription meds, all of these things are distractions. They're external somas from the true soma within. We can all cultivate and discover. Would you use the word synthetic a little bit, like synthetic? Yes, they're all manufactured, right, to distract us. Not intentionally even. It's just it, it's, the, mark, it's the, the way of the world, right? It's marketing, it's manufacturing as all that so um and there's nothing wrong with it the idea is that we've got to be able to get to a point where we don't get addicted to this stuff we're not dependent on it so we can come and go and we're okay but when you get obsessed with stuff you know i know people have gone and done ayahuasca 500 times and they're still the same person as they was before they went in the first time right and then there's people who get obsessed with computer games and they can't leave the computer or get obsessed with porn and can't you know get off the computer you know as well so there's so many distractions people get into i was there man i've been there so i know what it's like you know so and i'm still still hooked on gadgets and instagram and you know content and all this still but it's a hard one to break but i'm trying really hard to to be more in my body and more in control of that state that we can all have so i also realized that tantra yoga is also when you when you do these practices of coming from within, the the product of the chemical transformation is oxytocin, the main one. And oxytocin has been shown in many studies to be the ultimate hormone for brain change on command, like neuroplasticity, right? So the fastest way if you want to change your brain, right, and to manifest is to have full power orgasms, right, and then do your manifesting ritual, okay? So that's basically sex magic. So, so I realized also with breath work, we can create these states as well we, by mimicking what we do in tantric sex. We can do it without having to, to have a partner. We can do it with ourselves and get into similar orgasmic states just with the breath. So what happened is a turn of many different events happened. But one of the big turning points was when I was living with Wim Hof in his house and we produced the Wim Hof soundtrack. Um, I went into the garden one day and it was almost like magic. This was because I hadn't seen this since, but all over his garden, suddenly one day, one morning, when I got up, there was Amanita growing in his garden, all the, the red and white toasters. And, and I, this was around the time when I was like, I'm going to do something with Soma in my head. I was like, Soma, channel me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I these you set the intention like, and it was anchored yet. Crazy. I was like, well, I've got to go and show Wim this. I wonder if he knows what it is. So I went and grabbed it, one of them. 
And I go over to him and I'm like, hey, you know what this is? This is the, this could be the Soma, the Vedic Soma. And he looked at me and I said, you know, this gets you into these, you can connect to God and all this. He goes, we don't need that anymore. I was like, yeah? He goes, let me show you. And then he did this crazy, with the new music I produced, we went full power and we did this insane, crazy, holotropic-like breathwork ceremony with him being a drum, going wild. And I had a full-on cosmic voyage. It was off the charts, bro. It was crazy. (laughs) I want to know where you voyaged to, to be honest, mate. (laughs) Please continue. Wild. And I was like, okay, yes, we can do it with the breath. It's, It's possible. So that was a huge inspiration, right, when that happened. And then then I realized, actually, it's already been happening, holotropic, rebirthing. It's what it does, right? They do this. Then I went into tantric yoga, the way you do it in tantric yoga, which is, so I went to live with a bunch of tantrikas. This was around the time, then darkness retreat, living with tantrikas. It was around this whole journey at this point where I started to get really deep into tantra using Ashwini Mudra. Ashwini mudra is where you contract the the sphincter muscles up and let go and breathe like you're breathing through your sphincter and letting go in a rhythm. And I realized that with rhythmic breathing, perfect rhythmic breathing, you create this inner coherent state. And with the Ashwini mudra, constant pulsing of this, we amplify this bliss. And this whole process, if it's done rhythmically with a beat, is way more powerful rather than just any old rhythm. So I was like, whoa, I got music i can put rhythmic breathing to the music that i've made which has got continuous beat 120 beats per minute is the, the the most in tune with our natural biorhythms 120 bpm believe it or not most music that has been in the top 10 charts over the last 30 years they did a study on this is on average tempo of around 120 bpm no shit and if you go to if you go to any music software, it's always set default 120 BPM. So there's something about 120. So I make a lot of my solo breath tracks at 120. Afro House is my big thing. I, I'm really quite doing well in that. 120 BPM is usually the default tempo. Most house music is around 120, right? So it's a natural rhythm. It's 60 BPM is your resting heartbeat. So it's half of 120. So it's a ri- rhythm that fits in with 120. It's like the half time, right? So, so I was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" It's opening up so many doorways. So, so then I, I, you know, I, I'm very close to most up here. So I was like, "What if I start to bring in guided hypnotic language over this? Like, what what would happen then?" And I'd take people on a journey. So I learned a lot from being with Marissa and another friend of mine who trained with Richard Bandler, a guy called John Vincent. He's a master NLP practitioner total mentalist so we i started to experiment with this with all the tantricas in Bethangan. and suddenly i'm having girls and tantricas having full-blown orgasms in like very short period of time like i was like wow this is crazy this is like and they're like reporting back so many breakthroughs and f- amazing experiences so i was like wow i'm onto something then it dawned on me that Soma also, because this can be a manifesting, because Tantra Yoga is basically a manifesting practice. We're always manifesting it, all kinds of shit, right? all the time, bad shit. 
things that we don't really want. But tantric yoga is all about understanding your truth, who you truly are, unraveling all your blocks that hold you back from being who you want to be. And then you really manifest based on truth. That's what tantric yoga is about. It gives you the divine flow, this belief in a higher power, and the mojo, the energy vitality. You put that together, I call it flowjo, to go and totally crush it. All right? So that's what tantric yoga really is. So I was like, you know what? Soma also stands for science of magnetic attraction. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my own system called the science of magnetic attraction. And it's tantric yoga for the mainstream, the masses. That is also aligned with the Vedic stories of Soma. It's a metaphor for getting people off addictions and dependencies and stuff to be more self-sufficient. And it's also something that gets you super ecstatic if you do it in the right way, right? Um, the Wim Hof crazy full power way, <laughs> which we did that time. And so it's many different uses, just like the original Veda, Vedic Soma. The original Vedic Soma did everything. It made you immortal. It made you have, you know, amazing blissful experiences. It gave you power. It gave you warrior strength. It gave you, it basically gave you everything. It was a pharmaceutical, it's like Soma was the pharmaceutical industry the rishis right it supposedly gave you everything it had recreational drugs it had prescription meds it had the antidotes to everything it had everlasting life is the holy elixir the philosopher's stone or whatever you call it but i was like wait so is tantric yoga if you look at it it's it's a pharmacy of breathing techniques somatic practices it's all designed to help you unravel yourself to understand who you truly are it's a total operating system for your whole soma, which also happens to mean body in Greek. So I'm like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. The biggest mistake ever has been the separation of mind from body that the scar test made, right? Let's bring the mind and body back. The body and mind are one. It's, we're, we are one, one body, one mind, one spirit, one soul. So let's bring it all together. And that's, that is now soma breath. That is what we create. Man. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. Um, yeah, so rich in terms of the the inspirations behind it, all the different meanings, and yeah, how it all gets woven into what. Yeah, and just all the all the different modalities that have been layered to create what is soma breathwork today. From this particular point, breathwork. Um, I yeah, I was. I don't really know how to approach this conversation without sounding completely lost because part of me is a little bit lost. We've got pranayama, we've got buteko, we've got the Wim Hof, we've got holotropic breathing, we've got soma breathing. I appreciate all of them individually for what they are and some part of me just being Indian goes, surely they all fit under the pranayama umbrella just because everything fits under an Indian umbrella at some point. Um, But I might be completely wrong and I'm happy to be called out for being completely wrong. So I'd love for you to sort of just stack everything for the engineering me in order to sort of be like, kind of this is where Bateko lives, where Wim Hof stuff lives and does it all live under Pranayama? And even just, well, you know, as 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 a primary place to start that conversation is, you know, the, the, the term pranayama, like pran being the life force energy and yama being able to control that, even just coming into today's podcast, I was nerding out on the idea that just how, yeah, like life force doesn't necessarily have to mean breath, right? Like life force is 
the spark, the divine within us, right? Um, that's your Brahm, that's your, you know, divinity within. But then you've got not but, and then you've got Pranayama and it's a lot of it is centered around breath work and just the poetry and the conflation between Bran being your life force, but then also breath. And then, you know, just, you know, the natural, we're having a spiritual podcast here. So, you know, that conflation between life force and breath and how they actually are, they seem like two different things when you look from the outside in, but the it's alluded to that they're the same thing when you start to peel into pranayama. Um, I guess I've asked two questions at once, like pranayama, like breath control, and then life force control and longevity or modulating life, but then also where does all the breath work things that we're familiar with, Bateko and all that sort of stuff, live relative to pranayama? Sorry, I've asked two questions at once. but No, yeah, no, 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 it's, it's, no it's, a good, it's a good good question. So, Hey, you're Inspired Tribe. I want to take a quick sec. I wanted to share something today with you that is really dear to my heart, and it's actually what keeps the entire ecosystem around the Inspired Evolution thriving, my one-on-one coaching. So it's basically coaching that helps you live a spiritually aligned life. I coach people from all different types of walks of life. That These people are leaders and they're looking to have an incredible spiritual impact in the lives that they're leading for themselves and then also lead in alignment to their values. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. Here's a few people that have also transformed through my coaching and here's what they have to say. Amrit is a fantastic coach. In a few sessions, he got to a depth that I'd only experienced before working with certain medicines. He's gone through a lot of the struggles that you're probably facing. Then my corporate banking job wasn't really doing it. You feel like you're not making progress towards your goals. And Amrit's been a really strong, supportive figure in my journey. I'm more in control of myself. I'm kinder to myself. I actually have that vision and a purpose. I do feel like I'm a better version of myself already. Amazing energy. He was easy to talk to, which made me easy to trust him. Working with Amrit at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and really I was bouncing out of bed. Whenever I get off the calls with Amrit, best money we've ever spent. <laughs> I would not recommend him because I don't want everyone to know about him and then I won't be able to book him. If he gets too busy, I won't get my turn. I would say absolutely. There's no way you can work with Amrit for a period of time without being transformed. So if you're considering him as a coach, do not hesitate because you won't be disappointed. As you guys can see, there's a lot of people all over the world from all these different corners experiencing incredible transformations. I don't think, if I can say humbly myself, that there is anything quite like this somewhere else online. Most people that you know have channels that you know grow and grow and grow don't really focus on one-to-one offerings. I have just found that it is the most profound space where you can bring yourself in a private container and really just share what's going on for yourself. And if you want to book in for that call with me, touch base, it's www amrit.coach forward slash life that's www.amrit.coach forward slash l-i-f-e there is a link in the show notes below to book in that call and yeah if you want to take your journey further if you want to dive in deeper and you really want to live a spiritually aligned life if it's for you please do check it out and without too much further ado once again for your spirit for yourself today's podcast so actually the life force is energy okay everything is energy everything everything is a frequency of energy it's actually a frequency of on the light spectrum right, of energy so we're all just manifestations of different forms of energy yeah and, and i think people people i'll just jump in there for a sec because i think people trip out on that a little bit 
And they go, I'm not sure that is a thing. But then you go, Einstein's famous equation is E equals MC squared, which literally is that energy just is matter times a constant. Like if you just break through that constant, you just see that everything is, it's literally just and like all matter is energy. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to sort of throw that in there just to sort of, yeah, please continue. Yeah, so Hans-Peter Dürer, who is one of the students of Einstein, said actually um, matter is not matter and matter is energy. Right, so a duality, Advaita philosophy, which is this this a duality, this matter and energy are the same thing. Right, there's no separation. And Advaita philosophy is the original uh, Vedic philosophy, right? And everything comes from that. So it's a belief system that everything is energy, it's a vibration. Yeah, and actually, if you look at the Upanishads, uh, Oppenheimer. He famously had the the whole Upanishads on his uh, walls because he, you know, he had the famous quote, "I've become Shiva, the de- destroyer of worlds," when he invented the atomic bomb because he believed that he's now fulfilling the prophecy of the the coming of the the end of the Kali Yuga. Maybe who knows, right? The the, the Mahabharat weapon, right? Who knows? So um, so everything is energy. Let's say energy is matter. E equals M is more more accurate to be honest. E equals M. So so with that said, prana yama actually means energy control. Prana means energy, yama means control. How do we produce energy in the body? Breathing. You breathe in, oxygen comes in to red blood cells. The red blood cells transports the oxygen to where it needs to go, drops it off. And the reaction that goes on inside your internal combustion engines, just like what goes on your car engines, uh, oxygen burns fuel to produce ATP energy, water, and sugar, right? And the ATP energy is this photonic light force energy. Albert Fitz, uh, I think, he said that, that we're all just biophotonic light engines, uh, light beings, because we ATP is like a photonic light engine, biophotons. So... Um, so that's how we produce it's how we produce energy in the body is through breathing so in a way it's right but actually breath isn't the life force it's the mechanism of creating life force the life force also has various different intensities in the body there's a life force just general functions of life but then there's the the intensified like um kind of stored life force that comes from sexual energy is stored deep in the um, nervous system in the what they call kundalini kundalini life force energy which stays asleep in a lot of people but through certain techniques breathing techniques mm-hmm. sexual techniques rhythmic breathing um, ashwini mudra breath holds breath retentions we can activate this life force energy that's dormant, that's stored, and take it up and actually cultivate and use it for a higher pursuit. And that's the real art of tantric yoga is sublimating and transmuting life force energy that's stored in the sex for a higher purpose. And that life force then will energize and cleanse and soothe all the other uh, sources life force that needs maybe more more prana and then prana has many levels so 
there's the prana in our physical realm, this physical body realm. But then there's, remember, we're also majority bacteria. So is the prana of your bacteria, your microbiome, right? Then there's other levels beyond that. Then there's the, uh, the aura, the magnetism that we give off, the electromagnetic fields, the, the, the bonds between each other, right? So there's, in, there's like kind of constructive prana, you know, like when you meet two people, me, who really connect, and you feel it and you feel connected and you go and make crazy magic happen, right? That's um, constructive interference, right? But then you have destructive interference is when two people, you know, you know, I know you're the nicest guy ever on the planet, but I'm sure there's sometimes you walk in a room and you're like, that guy's a bit off. I don't know if I want to go near him. You know, you you probably get that vibe sometimes, right? So everyone has that. We we sense other people's prana, the energy, the vibe, vibration they're giving off. And actually everything that's happened to us in our life all the belief systems that are formed of what we can have, what we can't have, creates a vibrational frequency that we broadcast out to the, to the universe in all directions. So we need to take care of that and be mindful of what frequency we broadcast out because whatever we broadcast out, that frequency is what we're going to call in, right? So if you want to call in cool, epic stuff, you need to broadcast out the right vibe. And that vibe comes from... Again, what I was saying, naturally high, happy, healthy. I want to be around naturally high, happy, healthy people. I've been around miserable people for years as a pharmacist. Right? I grew up in a, a, a family with broken parents right? who hated each other. I, I was bullied at school. I was an Indian, scrawny Indian kid in a very, very white, big, dominated you know, school where um, I was bullied a lot. There's racism you know, years ago in England. There's a lot of racism. Not now, not really. So it's not like it used to be. Um, and then so on and so forth. I worked in, in the mainstream corporations. I've, I've experienced what it feels like to be around miserable people who don't put out a good vibration, a frequency. And I've also experienced the opposite. And I tell you what, it's so much more fun to be around people like yourself, super high vibe people, big smiles, who generate a positive frequency. You don't need anything else. You don't need any external somas to be happy then. You just need each other's company and you can have a laugh. We don't need so many things to make us happy. The miserable people, they go and buy expensive stuff. They compete with each other. They fight over each other's you know, things and keeping up appearances. And then this creates a bad culture in the world. And people get abused, taken advantage of. Greed is not good and so on and so forth. But also, if it wasn't for that, there wouldn't be this. So the yin and yang. So again, that's it all comes down to yin and yang again, balance. And and I've started to wake up out of that. But what I want to do is create more on this side. Uh, that's my role because I don't want to be on, around miserable people too much. It drains my vibe. So yeah, so my mission is to really help people with SOMA, the science of magnetic attraction, to become more attractive by putting out a better frequency. And that's actually how I met my wife, right? So... Natasha, I met at a Mind Valley party, right? And I had an intention years ago before I'd even gone to a Mind Valley event when I first had a vision. And this was even before I even had osteoclitis, actually. Um, I had an intention. I, I wanted to do something with this guy. I just saw him briefly and then I forgot about it. It's like, sounds so cool. And um, the world's coolest, funnest, you know, 
work environment and all this. I was like, this is amazing. So I want to be around those sorts of people. But then I forgot about it. But then later on, when I was healing myself and then I was trying to figure out how to create my business, I came across Mind Valley again and I was like, you know what? I need to go, I need to be part of this. This is this is my tribe. This I'm done with this horrible culture in the wet in England. I want to be around all these cool peeps and look at the women. Oh my god, every single one of them smoking hot. All right. Oh man, that'll be my dream come true if I got a mind valley girl, right? So all these crazy fantasies going on. And um then I went to KL and I changed my mind. I was like, no, I don't wanna be I don't wanna be with the mind valley girl because I have to live in KL. <laughs> no offense to people living KL, but I changed my mind. But then I was like, no, you know what? When a Mind Valley girl who used to work Mind Valley, but no longer lives in KL, right? But still got that same vibe, right? So then at Mind my, my Valley University, I'm randomly at a party. I actually visioned some of the team had asked me to DJ. This is right in Barcelona, the first Mind Valley U. So I brought my stuff. And um, there's this part, and then within five minutes, I turn and I, I, I'm talking to Natasha now. And I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Where, where are you from? She's like, oh, I'm from, you know, in a very strong Russian accent back then, Siberia. I was like, oh, my God. Have you heard about Jesus as a mushroom? <laughs> Do you know about Siberian shamans? Do you know about Santa Claus? And she was like, what? And then I was like, and then I just sat down and I was like, wait, let me tell you everything. <laughs> so I started telling everything about Siberia and mushrooms and Amanita. And she's like, wow, this is so crazy. And then we just were, we just hit it off so much. We were like all over each other. And they were like, get a room, please. And then the rest is history. We, we've been together since. And yeah, we have babies together. It's amazing. Well, baby. Mm. Hopefully, babies. <laughs> yeah, you. No, no pressure. I know you. I know. I know you're in that sleepless state at the moment. So yeah. <laughs> I'm still there. I'm there with but you as well. Happens, as I should. Imagine what happens when you say when you go down the soma rabbit hole. Hmm. Might end up with a Siberian. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so from there, bro. Like, where does um? Because you mentioned oxygenation. Um, and the importance of that. And we've been feeling into Buteco recently and actually what I've, I'm starting to evolve my awareness around, well, you can probably elaborate on this, just like the oxidation process and then like the conversation around the longevity a little bit, but then also just general oxidative stress. Um, and just like, because from what I'm understanding, Buteco is actually bringing us into this relationship and maybe Soma's doing the same thing um, around being able to tolerate more carbon, like actually build a relationship with carbon dioxide that's different in our body than what it previously was. Um, that's my awareness of Buteco to some degree so that like the oxidative stress is lower on the body because they're actually able to tolerate higher levels of CO2 in the system. Um so so yeah so let's go let's go to Buteko. So Buteko actually so he's Russian, right? So he had very high blood pressure. He had like malignant hypertension. He was going to die, right? And there was no medical treatment that was helping him. And guess what he turned to to save him? Pranayama. So he he discovered yogic texts. See, Russia had a, a connection with the 
Himalayas, right? And the oh, for India for the longest time. Even you speak to Russian people, and they're like, "Oh, autobiography of a yogi is like our favorite book." Like, and we, you know, they actively. Yeah, sorry, I've interrupted. And now in Bollywood movies, all the dancers are blonde Russians. (laughs) I don't know if you know. There's a shift. No, I haven't watched anything recently, but yeah, Yeah. please continue. Yeah. 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 So. So Buteko discovered that actually pranayama is a system of reduced breathing exercises that helps you get better body tissue oxygenation and um, it slows your, decreases your breathing rate, making you more efficient using oxygen so that you are protected against oxidative stress. Because what makes us age is oxidative stress because the byproduct of the fire that goes on inside every cell, the mitochondria, the inner fire is oxidative stress. That's what makes us age. So it causes damage to the cells. So that's why we need antioxidants in a diet, right? So we have this toxic codependent relationship with oxygen. You can't live without it. You can't live with it, right? Because you rust inside, literally, right? So yeah, there's Aniyama, a Peter, sorry, I'm just interrupting. Peter Diamandis, and he was like, well, let's try and make the world entirely nitrogen-based so that we're not like under oxidative stress. So everybody can live like 250 or something. And I was like, Dude, you think you think large. Like I thought I thought big with this one. Like you think sorry, I've interrupted. Please continue. Oxygen no, 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 he, he's on to something. He's on to something. So that's if you're really scared of death, obviously you do something crazy like that. But um so yeah, so with um pranayama, it's certain techniques, if you look at it, and Wim Hof method, which you could say is derived from there too is designed to make you very efficient using oxygen, so you need to breathe less, not more, right? So you want to make the least amount of oxygen to make the same amount of energy, or more energy. Oxygen efficiency is the goal for pranayama, and even tantra yoga, all of this. And what will happen is your breath hold times will steadily increase. Animals that live a long time, like whales, elephants, they breathe very slowly around um, one to two breaths a minute. Whales hold their breath for two hours at a time. They live 200 years plus. Rats and mice, on the other end of the spectrum, they breathe very fast, 150, 300 breaths per minute. They hyperventilate, basically, and they live one or two years, right? But uh, humans, we have conscious control over our breath. We can choose to breathe like whales or like rats stuck in a rat race. It's up to us. That's what sets us apart, right? And that's what the whole system of running is about, is conscious breath control to make you more efficient in oxygen, so you slow breathing down and protect against oxidative stress. That's one of the big goals. So you're controlling, manipulating energy body. And there's other things you can do with that, that wisdom. Because once you've really got good at breath holds, the deeper and deeper you can hold your breath, when you get to around 60 to 90 minutes, uh, sorry, 90 seconds breath hold, after an exhale, you create this physiological state called intermittent hypoxia. And this is where you release the soma from within. This is it. And this is what's been talked about. And this Nisheshra um, Chakra is what my uh, Prakash Marsh taught me is the secret technique that was hidden in the Himalayas where you do rhythmic breathing followed by breath retentions using also energy locks and different techniques to get you into this intimate hypoxic state where all the magic happens, where stem cells come out of circulation. One of the reasons why... Um, so many people who do our breathing techniques get such powerful transformations in healing, self-healing, is because we're waking up stem cells. Because stem cells hate oxygen. They hide in the body where there's low oxygen, hypoxic niches. 
So when you lower the oxygen systemically for a brief period, we wake up the stem cells. They come out to play and they go to areas where there's inflammation and they lower so the inflammation. That, is that what hypoxic heal. means? Low oxygen, hypoxic, low hypoxic. oxygen. Sorry, yeah, please continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah intermittent means short period of hypoxia, like episodes of it, right? So, so they have machines already that do all this, that simulates... Um, going up to the top of the mountain. Because let me tell you about environments now, oxygen environments, and why they create machines to mimic certain environments. Because um, what Is they discovered... like hyperbaric they, chambers and stuff like that? Not quite hyperbaric. Okay, sorry. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. Hyperoptic, hypoxic chamber. No, that's right. So, so basically, in the Mexican Olympics, which was done at high altitude in 1968, people were just smashing world records. So they were wondering, like, why? What's going on? So they realize that there's something that happens when you train a high altitude, you climatize to a low oxygen environment because the oxygen level is thinner and you become more efficient using the oxygen so you get this burst of power, right? And what they realized was that when they took athletes up to train a high altitude, when they came back down, they felt better generally. And then they started taking sick people up and bringing them down and they got better. So they're like, well, let's simulate what's going on. Low oxygen, high oxygen, low oxygen. They came up with these therapies using machines called high altitude training, right? Or intermittent hypoxic training. And now IHHT. And then they found that stem cells wake up and all of this. And actually in stem cell clinics, low oxygen is one of the ways they activate stem cells to use, right? So so there's all these machines, therapies, all these treatments that exist now using machines. But the yogis figured this out a long time ago. Because bhaprika, fast breathing, followed by breath holds on the exhale, Antara uh, and Baya Kumbaka also does the same thing because when you breathe out CO2, large amount of CO2 for a brief period, right, it allows you to hold your breath remarkably long time, like three or four times longer than you normally can, right? So when you get to about 60 to 90 seconds, you start to lower oxygen and that low oxygen, right, also when you train and do it for a long enough period and you go really deep into that low oxygen state, you actually release DMT because DMT is used and there's been studies that show DMT comes out to play to stabilize and support cells in low oxygen environments, right? And that's why maybe DMT is associated with death when you die and near-death experiences because... At that point, usually there's very low blood supply to the brain. So also holotropic, when you do very fast hyperventilation, if you just hyperventilate for 20 seconds right now, like that, you're going to get all lightheaded, dizzy. You're going to lose, like, like even, you're going to lose train of thought. What's happening is you're getting less oxygen to your brain, not more. Even though you think maybe that deep, heavy breathing gets you more oxygen, it's not true. You actually get less because you breathe out CO2. This is what Buteco figured out. And CO2 is what's needed in the body, in the bloodstream, to get oxygen off your blood cells into your body tissue cells. So without the right amount of CO2 in your bloodstream and over-breathing, hyperventilation, stressful breathing, reptilian brain breathing, actually means you over-breathe, hyperventilate. You breathe more than you need to. You get rid of CO2. And then the oxygen gets stuck to your red blood cells, and that causes more stress on the body and the nervous system and, and, the, and the arteries as well. You get plaques, inflammation, right? So 
and the blood pressure goes up. Right. So, uh, but when you um, uh, raise CO two, right, to the right balance, oxygen rushes into the cells, and you get more efficient oxygenation. So you need the right amount of CO2. So the, what cured Buteyko heart disease or high blood pressure was CO2. You could say replace prana for CO2 because without CO2, there's no life force. And we've been told CO2 is going to cause global yeah, warming. It's the, it's yeah, it's, it's just completely... It's a toxic waste gas. It's really bad PR. Really, it needs a better PR team. It needs a PR team to show its truth, the real, the real CO2. And what it can really do for us. And so we need to change our relationship with CO2. And actually, CO2 is the most essential gas in the body. It's more important than oxygen because there's an abundance of oxygen. There's so much oxygen everywhere. There's, if you have a pulse oxygen, a little sniff of air, you're fully saturated, most people, unless you've got a very rare disease. But CO2 is the problem because if we're breathing out all the time, hyperventilating, if we're stressed, we're breathing out this gas. Right, and that's what's causing the low body oxygenation and the the dumb brains that a lot of people have got these days, where they're not thinking straight because <laughs> they're not isn't getting that enough. Really, isn't that really brain. profound, bro? Like the the fact that because we well, like you said, the PR team, like we assume or just the awareness is so oxygen in, and it's like it's all the whole dance is about oxygen. But as I'm hearing from you, it's like oxygen is part of it but really the game's all about co2 and how the pressure of co2 in your system then infuses oxygen deeper into your cells and your mitochondria and yeah the ability to then actually yeah and this is where it comes back to oxygen efficiency that's com- a complete rewiring um, for the mind to to settle into yeah wow you just blow my mind actually yeah it's so fast right yeah and uh, so from here, I guess the natural, now that we're in this inspired space, it's always a great place to um, now say, okay, if we want to go deeper and we want to actually experience this, Soma, the best place for us to connect to a practice. Um, obviously, your Instagram is is full of stuff that we can check out more things around what you're up to in the world. But how do we um, actually do some, like I know there's some YouTube videos on Soma Breathwork, which I personally love. Um, but yeah. Any other recommendations that you've got for how we can connect to Soma and go deeper into breathwork there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I have a book coming out, Breath Works. It's a play on breathwork. And that's like the manual for breathing that everyone should have in their homes because it really will give you everything you need to know about. Are you ripping out like the old Vedic science into like, like really, yes, bro. Epic. Can't wait to get a copy. I want yeah, a copy. Send me a copy. When the book comes yeah, out, we'll yeah, do another yeah. episode. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, I'd love yeah. that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go deep in that book. And um, we have an app coming out. So the book's going for the app. And we also have, um, you know, a lot of amazing courses already. So if you just go to Instagram, Neerajnake Official, DM me the word breath. You'll get um, uh, a little link. You'll get access to um, my masterclass training. Those are cool videos that teaches you all this stuff in more depth. Plus, um, notification when the app comes out, a book, and uh, and yeah, generally, I'll show you how to be naturally high, happy, healthy, and say That's that. Awesome. Way. Thank you so much, yeah. bro. And 
Yeah, I think um, we have, we're calling instructors. Like we need more instructors. So I really want to build a. I don't like to use the word army, but a force, a life force. Right. I'm building a new force, a breath force, whatever. And I want to um, like inspire people to if they're stuck in doing a job they don't want to do. I was a pharmacist. I hate my life. I turned it into something that's worthwhile. We have a lot of doctors, pharmacists, dentists coming. I really want to connect with professionals, health professionals more because you are the first liners, right? You're the ones that people go to for health. So you should be the best informed about health. And at the moment, unfortunately, the system is broken. It's not teaching people really how to be naturally high, happy, healthy. They're teaching how to get sick, dumb and depressed and and stay that way and get addicted and dependent on medication. So we don't want that. We need to change that paradigm. We need to, we know it's not working. There's the evidence already out there. So, you know, disease can be resolved if we take control of the things that cause disease in the first place, the root cause. And that is first time with the breath, then our lifestyle, these things we can control. And also a simple checklist. Everyone should just remember in Ayurveda, it's a very simple checklist that you need to follow. Are you, do you eat well? Do you sleep well? Do you shit well? Do you piss well? Do you fuck well? Do you love everyone and hate nobody? Then you're well, right? Simple checklist that you can follow. And when you start to say no to some of those, or one of those even, it's time to check in with your breathing first, then your lifestyle, and then you want to ask yourself a question in the morning, right? Am I waking up with enthusiasm to do a hard day's work, right? Or am I waking up feeling like I have to, to survive, right? Or just bored, out of boredom, or don't want to get out of bed at all, right? Or are you waking up wanting to really be, and are you waking up wanting to be really enthusiastic to be kind and compassionate to others? Or are you just doing this to be not, like faking being nice, just to get on, just to, to, to um, kind of fit in, you know, you don't really feel like you belong, right? So the moment you answer no to those questions, that's chronic stress about to kick in. So use these little checklists to see when things are off balance. And then we have an entire school system that will show you how, when you start to feel symptoms, it's based on the Ayurvedic system, you know how to rebalance yourself very quickly. And this will allow you to prevent getting disease in the future, all right? Or at least minimize the risks. I'm not saying it's going to completely prevent everything, but at least minimize the risks, all right? And these are things that we can do. It's free of charge. It doesn't cost anything. The breathing doesn't run out. You don't have to go and wait in a queue for months to go and see a doctor. You can take control now because right now we need to be more responsible about our own lives. This is so important. We're all responsible for our own actions and life. We've we've given away our power too much to other people. Now it's time to reclaim that power. And so when we're bringing this home, um, I love that checklist, by the way. Um, I almost want to get the team to just run it in the show notes and they can just check <laughs> as, as a resource for everybody that's, that's, that's tuning in. So we'll, we'll list it out. Um, but also in there, if we're feeling in the morning, let's just say as an example for those that are tuning in that you wake up um, and obviously it could be something significantly more systemic that requires a bit more, you know, looking into. Um, and, but I guess I am looking for a bit of a, 
is there a, can you support us with a bit of a patch? Maybe even like, what would you recommend? So you wake up, you're not feeling enthusiastic, which I imagine is more the majority than the norm, to be honest, um, given the state of the world that we live in touch wood. But um, is it, then do we find our way to like a morning practice of soma breath work? Is that what you're supporting? Uh, in, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, I have a routine, like, mm-hmm. um, which is very simple breath awareness practice, checking in with your, the best health tracker of all is your breath hold time. So we teach you how to do this morning breath hold time where you measure your length of breath, um, hold capacity. Uh, after an exhale, a normal inhale, normal exhale, hold your breath, see how long you can hold your breath. And then there's a score that will measure your oxygen capacity. And this will be affected by your how healthy you are. Like and stress moment. levels, etc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a great check, uh, test you do in the morning. Then you do the morning practice and we have a breath awareness exercise. I have this routine I've developed that is rhythmic breathing, breath holds and humming, humming produces the miracle molecule in great amounts called nitric oxide, antiviral, antibacterial, antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, it's antioxidant, does so many things, nitric oxide. Remember nose, the first two letters is N-O, nitric oxide, N-O. Not right? nitrous oxide. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so nitric oxide is um, only produced in the nose, nasal breathing, right? Or no breathing. When you hold your breath in various ways, a long enough period, you produce nitric oxide too. So we show you how to make this nitric oxide, you know, first thing in the morning to get your daily dose. And it gives you lots of other benefits. And we show you how to do anaerobic exercise, which is where you can, in just like a maximum amount of exercise a week you need is like an hour, right? Spread out over a week. You don't need to do a lot of exercise. That's a myth. So bringing a little bit of anaerobic exercise is a hack for your mitochondria it makes it way more efficient using oxygen and that is exercise where you reduce dramatically the oxygen supply to your muscles and joints and tissue. that's what creates strength because it forces them under hypoxia to adapt and grow stronger because when you take away oxygen for a brief period the body adapts and gets stronger and more efficient using it same thing with fasting when you take away food your body adapts and becomes more efficient at surviving on less calories, right? So that's how you prevent overeating and overconsumption of food and getting fat. Same thing with breathing, going on a bit of an air diet and also like training yourself to like a breath fast where you hold your breath for a few minutes, right? Will train you to be more efficient using oxygen. So then you'll have more energy, more vitality because you're making more energy from the same amount of oxygen, right? So so on and so forth. We teach you in different other exercises, yoga, soma breath yoga, which actually, if you do the whole routine, it makes every muscle in your body more efficient using oxygen. It's the best form of anaerobic exercise or functional isometric training. So we have these routines that we teach people. We call it energized breath meditations. It always begins with an intention and that we see the intention with action as well so have an intention then we go and take massive action because you have the energy to do it you have clarity to do it you go and do it so you have a great day in the morning let's start from the start of the morning you go carry on you're vibing high you're going to make better decisions because you're naturally high happy healthy you're going to have an epic day you're going to wake up every day going i love my life which is our anthem our theme song right the summer breath we all wear the t-shirts it's the mind valley theme song so we do all of that 
uh, right in the morning. And then we have various breath awareness practices during the day. We have coherent rhythmic breathing tracks because our breath entrainment music technology makes it all fun and easy to do. You just press play, breathe along, and it becomes like an amazing meditative, beautiful experience because the music's so cool, right? So we have all of these. We have an app coming out which will have all of this set up, sequence. You just plug in, press what you want, choose what you want, and you, you get going and and then you're you're gonna have an amazing life. And then we have courses like the 21 Day Awakening course is our flagship course. Cambridge University, I haven't even mentioned that yet, have studied and done a whole study on the 21 day awakening journey. And then they went and compared the protocol to Bufo, to Ayahuasca, to Ketamine, to LSD and all these other psychedelics. And the research is coming out very soon. They said it's very, very promising. You're gonna love it. And um, and now they're going to get clinical uh, approval to do one on PTSD, which is going to be huge. And already University of California are doing a trial on um, sermon breath. Uh, so more of a clinical trial. So lots of very epic things. So this is giving more juice to the medical professionals who I really want. Uh, the reason I'm doing this is to bring in my mates who are all doctors, dentists, pharmacists, you know, to come and retrain and have a better life so I can hang out with my old homies again because otherwise they're miserable as hell. <laughs> this is, um, this is it, like the conversation's gotten, I don't want to say much more refined, but it does feel like that. We've both grown over the last five years. The conversation's gotten much more refined, but it's still it's still the renegade pharmacist is <laughs> 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 uh, uh, what I'm hearing at the heart of it all, bro. Man, yeah. I... um. I'm so inspired for everything you're creating in the world and it's really beautiful to just witness, um, yeah, just how, like we said, you know, a um, bit of a divine intervention in some ways, even though it was, you know, a lot of challenges for the world with COVID and, yeah, just watching breathwork really become this medicine um, of the age of the times and just your just your heart for it, man. Like I really just want to acknowledge you. Obviously, I can thank you for today's conversation, but it sort of pales in comparison to every single day that you wake up doing this work, you know, trying to promote more enthusiasm into people's life and uh yeah man like just yeah you know people can probably tell just from this conversation just you know just how much joy there is touch wood just hanging out with you all the time and you know that that's not just something that's momentary in this particular podcast every time i catch up with you it's always um fun illuminating insightful and yet you know it's just the, the vibes that you've mentioned has always been present so i just want to acknowledge you bro um because yeah it's not i know from my own experience you don't wake up every day feeling mr inspired evolution you know and yet when the mission's bigger than you and it's something worth championing you know you sort of pull yourself out of the way and you know you rock up and you do the work and man you've been doing it to such a great um inspirational degree that yeah i just really want to acknowledge you bro um for being you Thank doing you, brother, you the way that you do man Appreciate it really it, inspires Thanks. me as well yeah Inspired. I'll put link. Inspired, you know, inspired means to breathe in. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and and also just yeah, like spirit to infuse spirit into. It's yeah, means a lot to me. Um, yeah, aspire and, means to breathe life into. Mm, so, what do you want to breathe mm, life into next? You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. 
I love that. Yeah. I'll put links to all the show, everything we've discussed, um, including um, the checklist that we discussed earlier in the show notes below. Um, if you want to get started, it seems like the best way to get started is to venture your way over to Instagram and DM Naraj and say, yo, breathe. Um, don't say yo, just say breathe. <laughs> um, breath, that's just breath. my ad libs. Um, breath, sorry. Yep. And uh, we'll put, yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes below if you guys want to go deeper. And again, Naraj, thank you so much for sharing yourself so abundantly here today, bro, with your own personal experiences and just all the insights, the science, the spiritual, everything, man, just crossing all the degrees. Can't wait for the book to come out and the app to come out. And uh, yeah, we'll keep everybody posted as it does. Thanks again, bro. Respect, bro. Much love. Full power. Thank you so much for tuning into this amazing episode of The Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.